Hi, everyone. This is Bert from Season Gaming, and thank you for joining us for our bi-weekly BitCast. I'm joined with Ainsley Bowden, and this is our 10th BitCast. Yeah, hello, everyone, and thanks again for uh, listening. And uh, yeah, it's hard to believe that we started this a few months ago, um, and we're already on episode 10 here, along with our other conversational episodes, too. So if you've been listening or watching, uh, just wanted to say thank you real quick, and uh, we really appreciate it. Yeah, I hope everybody's been getting something out of these. Uh, we try to do these as an informational side for you and, and to give you information, and then hopefully you're entertained by our main topics in these. But um, thanks again. Um, the main thing I wanted to start out with today is our news. We have a lot of news to get started with today. We'll have um, the new releases that are out, that are coming, and then our big topic is our Nintendo conversation that has a bit to do with the cost of the games coming out versus the old ones, and then third-party software, if it's really worth what it's cost and what our thoughts are on that. Um, and then, as usual, we'll have our fun season reflections that we like to do, and uh, hopefully you've played some of those. If you haven't, you got to pick them up. So let's kick it off with uh, kind of the big news that was kind of going on this week. Um, the standard Xbox One X did go up for pre-order on the 20th, so that was, and correct me if I'm wrong, that was Wednesday, right? Yeah, I believe so. It was like middle of the week, which was kind of strange, yeah. Yeah, so kind of the interesting thing was uh, Larry Herb, Major Nelson on Twitter, if you if you follow him, he kind of announced all the outlets that were that went on electronically, you know, via the internet. So you had Amazon, Best Buy, GameStop, and gosh, I'm drawing a blank. Oh, Walmart. My, uh, Walmart. Uh, they were the four that went online. Um, surprisingly, they are selling really well. Um, the response has been positive, and a lot of places are sold out already. So you missed the Project Scorpio one. This is the standard one. Um, if you're concerned as to what's the big difference, so the Project Scorpio one, that was a very limited run. It does look mainly uh, physically different. The insides, as far as the uh, hardware, is not any different, but it is a special edition one. Um, and you are still going to be able to get the standard ones. So if you missed the first window to get those, you might be able to get one at a brick-and-mortar store, but kind of crazy to hear all the people claiming that it wasn't going to do very well. So um, what are your thoughts on that, Ains? Yeah, I think this is, and we've talked about it, our expectations were, I think, a little different than most analysts. So I know a lot of the analysts, uh, including Pachter, who we'll, we'll talk about uh, briefly in a little bit here, but, uh, you know, didn't expect it to sell too well. Got a lot of criticism when they announced the four ninety nine price at E3. And uh, because of that, I think there's the old uh, kind of mantra that a console can't sell if it's above, you know, $350, $400. But I think that we're at an age here in 2017 where that's misguided. You know, technology's come a long way. We're in an age of, you know, now we're saying $1,000 phones or more, right? Um, so something like the Xbox One X that offers what it does and uh, is kind of the pinnacle of console technology in 2017, um, I think there's a, a decent-sized market that's being... Um, you know, um, not looked at properly, uh, who are ready to, uh, to buy it. So like you and I said, we're both ready. Most of our friends are getting it. And, uh, I think the sales of the Scorpio edition and now the sales of this one, uh, pre-orders, I should say, are uh, kind of proving people wrong. Right. One thing I did want to mention, if you didn't get the Scorpio or if you didn't get the standard Xbox One X, Microsoft has said that they hope to have enough in stores come Christmas time, holidays. Um, so you should still be able to get one. Um, I do know that GameStop in person, if you are not on their pre-order list, they do have a call list. So if you missed the pre-order and then the next batch comes in, they'll be giving you a call. So you should be able to get one. Uh, I, I don't know exactly the number of amounts that they're planning on shipping out. Um, Ains, have you heard anything about 
uh, number of consoles that they plan to get out before the, the new year or anything? No, no, they haven't commented on it. Um, I don't know. You know, Microsoft's been pretty quiet about console numbers in general, right? So I don't know if they even want to tell people um, how many they're shipping because, if, for instance, if they're only shipping 100,000 and they sell them all, uh, people will say, well, so what? You sold out, but you didn't make enough. So they're probably trying to keep that fine balance of shipping enough, but making it feel like, uh, you know, demand's really high. So, um, right. no, I don't know. Yeah, so lastly, if you missed it, like I said a second ago, you should still be able to get one. Uh, it's just the Project Scorpio ones will be the tough one to find for the holidays in, in general, because like I said, there was only a limited run. There's been no conversation of bringing that pre-order or even the availability to have it at the store. Um, back, I think, in our two-bit cast ago, I did say that there is some stores that are brick-and-mortar, like a Toys R Us, for example, that is going to have some the day of release. So hopefully, if you're one of those people that wants to wait in line and you just have to have the Scorpio edition, there's a small chance you'll be able to get one. But I would check with the store local to you before you uh, rely on that going forward. So a lot of excitement. It's kind of crazy that it's, uh, gosh, only about a month and a half away or so. Um, so it's right around the corner. Um, I did want to talk a little bit more on the term enhanced. So uh, PlayStation 4 Pro does have their enhanced games, and Xbox One X will have the um, enhanced version of their games as well. Um, there's been a lot of confusion simply on the term enhanced, and what does it mean when you get a game for the Xbox One X? Are the games automatically going to have new frame rates, new resolution, all that stuff? The correct answer is no. Um, it all falls back on the developer um, if they're going to be making any enhancements to that game. So Major Nelson has a list on his website that gives all the uh, games that are going to have an enhanced version or an enhanced download where you'll be able to get those assets for the game. Um, they're not exactly specifying on that list what the enhancement is going to be, but it is mentioning that that game will be enhanced. So some games will get true 4K. Some games will just get a frame rate increase. Some games will just get not even a 4K, but just a better image on their game. So um, that's been something talked about in social media. Uh, Pinello specifically did talk about this as well. So when it comes to 4K, HDR, frames per second, there's the main confusion is that everybody thinks that you throw your game in there and every single game in the Xbox One X library will have that, and that's not the truth. But, uh, Ains, did you want to kind of mention a little bit on that? I think you've we've had this conversation with you know friends specifically on it. So. Yeah, I mean, just because I follow this stuff so closely, I've had so many people come to me asking me about it. So there, there are a couple things to comment on here. Um, first is that I think, you know, Microsoft's been fortunate in the sense that they, they learned from some of the mistakes Sony made with the Pro uh, in terms of messaging. So they do have a 4K HDR and Xbox, X, Xbox One X enhanced logos for the games that support it. Um, so like you said, even if it's a, a game that doesn't have a patch and will run better on the Xbox One X, uh, that actually won't get the logo, you know, as enhanced on the box. So if you look for that on the box, you can kind of know what to expect, especially if it has the HDR logo too, or the 4K logo as well. Um, and then lastly, it's just the, the number of enhanced titles. So um, when they released pre-orders on Wednesday, I believe you said, uh, they announced that they had passed 130 titles that are now going to be Xbox One X enhanced uh, at launch or, or shortly after with release, which is really impressive, right? Because I think, uh, I haven't looked at the current count, but I know when PS4 Pro launched, Sony was touting something like 40 games were enhanced. Um, and that's that's still hasn't even come close to 100, I think. So with Xbox One X getting 130 plus at launch, I think that's... Uh, pretty impressive and it just uh kind of emboldens the point for people like us that want to uh you know get the best out of the games on console 
right? And so the, the small enhancements that um, the console should do for most games, I mean, sure, there's some games that are still not going to have a difference. It's just a quicker loading time. If you don't have a 4K HDR-ready TV, you are still going to get, you know, some enhancements to your 1080p uh, panels as well if you have those. And then if there are some games that simply maybe we're running only at 900p or 720p, um, those can potentially run at 1080p if they do have an enhancement um, from the developer and you have a 1080p TV. So just don't think that this is only going to help you if you only have a 4K HDR rated TV because that's not the truth. So you should still be able to get some enhancements on some games even if you don't have that. So, yeah, so good my, information. Man. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry, Bert. I was going to say, yeah, and I, I've got that article on the site about the, the fact around um, you know Xbox One X. That's been a popular article for us. So uh, that's still out there. If you, if you have any questions, that kind of answers some of them. It goes into a little more detail as well. Uh, I think I need to update it, though, because I wrote that before pre-order started. So I'll go back and take a look at that. Yeah, and thankfully they've been giving some good information. Now, as long as you're following it, you're good. But if you're just kind of a casual gamer, you may not have all the information. So take a look at that document. It's pretty good. Um, switching gears from consoles, but um, for all the people that are massive Red Dead Redemption fans, you've got some good news coming out for you. Um, on the 28th, there's been a teaser from Rockstar via Twitter that there will be a new trailer coming out for Red Dead Redemption 2. Um, so far, it's just been an image that has come out giving a date and has all the fonts and the coloring for Red Dead Redemption 2. The um, assumption so far is a new trailer. The original teaser, I guess, back in the day was not necessarily any gameplay. You saw a little bit of the world, a little bit of kind of the environments um, and the desert and stuff like that. But this is supposed to be pretty exciting. A lot of people very excited about this. So I'm sure tons of people will be just glued to their YouTubes or TVs or whatever it is that they're watching this on. I, I personally can't wait to see it. I don't know what else to say on this one. It's one of the games I'm most anticipating uh, by a long shot. Uh, probably this and uh, Cyberpunk are probably my top two. And um, <clears throat> I didn't think we were going to see anything else this year on this. You know, they kind of quietly uh, a little while ago said that they were delaying it till spring. And with all the fall releases, I thought Rockstar would just stay quiet and then blow the doors off in spring. But here we are. So now I'm uh, really, really excited for Thursday. <laughs> yeah, and the kind of the interesting there is uh, <laughs> Rockstar doesn't really do big things at E3, TGS, you know, any of these – any pretty much conference period. They'll have like a trailer that will usually be embedded into a Sony or a Microsoft trailer and that's kind of it, but they don't usually do their own conferences like other developers do. So um, they kind of go directly to the gamer. So it's kind of nice that we'll see something like that and uh, can't wait to see it. That's I think a lot of people's big game for 2018 and, and further. So yeah, the, um, and just just so people are aware, that's 8 a.m. Pacific or 11 a.m. Eastern. They're going to demo that. So we'll obviously put it up on the site right away, but uh, stay tuned. Right. Um, the, jumping back to consoles really quick. So Nintendo um, did come out and mention a few things regarding um, their sales and, and how the production issues are going. There's been a lot of rumors of shortages coming in the fall for the Switch specifically. Um, I think I've mentioned it on a few areas on Twitter and even on our Facebook page to get one if you can, because we're expecting shortages in, in, in Christmas time in November, right at that Black Friday time. So you should potentially try to grab one. And that still stands true. Uh, but Reggie Phil Zemay kind of came out and, um, and he did mention a few things saying that Nintendo is keeping up with um, their normal production numbers that they were expecting to do here. It's just that demand is outpacing kind of what is at the actual store. So um, they're not shorting people. And I will, I will say, yeah, I mean, they are, you see a lot more switches at stores than you did um, for other previous consoles. The Nintendo Wii U was, you know, specifically kind of um, 
criticized a lot for being low stock uh, to kind of build up hype. And yeah, you couldn't get a Wii U for a very long time. And I will kind of say it's probably a lot easier to find a Switch if you're following it and kind of talking to your stores than it was the Wii U at the start of their launch. So uh, lastly on that topic, and then I'll let Ains mention something, but Nintendo is, their goal for 2017 was 10 million units before the end of the year. Um, if we sell 10 million units in one year, that is pretty crazy considering also that they did not launch on January 1st of 2017. They launched in uh, March. Yeah. The beginning of March. So that's kind of amazing um, for Nintendo to do that. And you know, thankfully we have one and we love our switches for what they are. Um, but yeah. Uh, do you have anything else on that ends regarding just demand and shortage rumors and stuff like that? No, I, I think Nintendo has, they've hit on something as we've talked about before. So it's a hot product. People want it. And, um, you know, between that and the SNES classic that's coming this week, um, which I only just realized looking at the date, yep. um, you know, they, they've got a bright fall ahead of them. You add those two things with Mario Odyssey and, um, yeah, they're they're going to be doing okay. Um, Ten million would be really impressive, especially considering I think we we looked at this maybe a month ago or so, and they were somewhere in the ballpark of five million, right? Like four point eight, mm -hmm. um, which would mean you know here we are in September. Say they've sold up to five and a half or so since then. That means they've only got three months um, to hit ten million, meaning they'd sell another million and a half over you know each month for the rest of the year. If they can pull that off, that'll be. Um, That'll be really, really impressive. Uh, and I, it'll be interesting to see if they can keep the stock in to do that. So we'll see. Yeah. And lastly, on the topic of the Switch, uh, specific to what you see at the store. So GameStop has been doing a really good job here in Austin, for me at least. Um, you don't even have to go in the store, and they'll tell you if Nintendo Switch is in stock or if they're sold out. Um, so like I said, I have seen them pretty regularly jumping on online and you can kind of get one and they'll send it to you. There's no additional cost that, you know, your typical GameStop or Amazon. But if you are the person that has to go to the store, just talk to your GameStop folks and they'll tell you when they're getting a new stock in or when they're expecting more in. And so if you're getting that for your kid or yourself, you know, you should be able to find it if you try hard enough on it. If you're just casually going to run into one at the store, still possible, but a less chance of that going on. So yeah, and um, uh, eBay as well. So there's been a lot of companies who have been going through eBay. So I'm not talking about the people who are trying to make a quick buck by reselling them, but rather there are some, you know, legit companies selling them either at, you know, cost to, or not cost, excuse me, but uh, retail two ninety nine ninety nine. Uh, I even saw for the first time last week, I saw a bundle with a switch and a game for three forty nine ninety nine. So like a $10 discount, which was the first I've seen of that. So just look around. They're available if you really want one. Yeah, and if you if you have to have one of those games anyways, it makes sense to get that bundle. So like Zelda, Mario, um, Pokemon Tournament, if you're a Pokemon fan or Mario Kart, those those make sense. And they're they're not going to drop in price as far as MSRP. So you might as well do the bundle. Um, so if you were a fan of this gem right here, um, the <laughs> original Xbox Duke controller, this this monster of a controller, this thing's massive. Um, it is on its way back. So let's see. So Seamus Blackley. Um, is working with Hyperkin. So they're kind of a third-party uh, controller maker, peripherals in general. <clears throat> um, it is on its way back, and it's going to be apparently running on a USB cable, um, and you'll be able to play with the Duke controller again. Um, Microsoft so far has approved the controller, so I'm assuming. And with that being an official Microsoft product, we should be seeing it here in the new future. There has not been any official date as to when this is going to come out. Um, this is also something that has come out via social media with a picture of what it's going to look like. And it is exactly the same thing 
Um, <laughs> kind of hit and miss if you love this controller. I personally didn't mind it too much. I thought it was a little bit big. It doesn't really make sense with kind of the amazing controllers that we have today from Microsoft and Sony to an extent, um, and Nintendo. But it might be something kind of fun to grab. Um, you can be grabbing one in, so I, I personally am. <laughs> Yeah, of course. Uh, you know, it's just the way I am. Um, I was a huge OG Xbox fan. I'm actually uh, got an article coming in the near future about that specifically. Um, it, as you said, it's not the best controller to play with. Uh, the thumbsticks are, you know, they're okay, but they're nothing compared to the modern ones like the Elite. The buttons are actually, um, they're smaller and they're they're kind of, uh, they're not flat. They're like rounded. And so if, you, if you're playing a game where you're hitting a button over and over again, your thumb will start to hurt. <laughs> uh, there's little things like that, nuances to the controller. But as a collectible item, of course, I'll pick one up. What's really neat about it is um, the uh, where it just had the Xbox logo, which was just a plastic logo on the Duke that Bert just showed. Um, it's actually going to be a tiny little LED screen, and it'll have the uh, Xbox kind of the original Xbox launch uh, OS kind of uh, video on it when you plug it in. So it's it's really neat if you see a video of it. Uh, you can probably find those on YouTube. And then uh, the only other, you know, kind of thing about it that's uh, a little sad is it's expected to be pricey. So people are thinking anywhere in the 100 to $150 range. So if you're just, you know, obviously picking that up as a controller that you don't plan to play with, it's a little bit on the pricey side. But for collectors and uh, OG Xbox fans, it's a really neat throwback. And I was happy to see that Microsoft officially supported it. I think that's cool. Yeah, I remember when we would play original Xbox games back in the day, and I'll explain what Ains meant by rounded buttons. So the buttons are round versus flat. But do you remember when you'd play a game too much and you would pull your thumb back and there was a round indention on your on your thumb? It would be red. Um, so yeah, I, I, that's one of the big things when you mentioned that I immediately remember my fingers being so sore <laughs> and having like a concavity to them. Um, so pretty yeah, funny. There was a funny moment, speaking of uh, Seamus Blackley, so for people who aren't aware, uh, Seamus is pretty much one of the uh, uh, inventors of the original Xbox. He was key to it. Uh, he is held in really high esteem, you know, among the Microsoft and Xbox communities. Part of probably why this is getting the official Microsoft, you know, stamp of approval. Uh, there's just a funny moment yesterday where um, I forget the outlet, one of the major outlets wrote an article about this controller and they they commented and uh, and referenced Seamus Blackley as someone who was quote involved with the original Xbox, and he uh, he kind of commented on Twitter and said, "Oh, I didn't, you know, involved." He's like, "Nice research there." So I just kind of <laughs> find it funny that someone, you know, it was a, a really bad moment if you're a video game outlet this to look at someone like Seamus Blackley who was so critical to the uh, Xbox franchise that we know today and the original Xbox to just say he was involved with it. Um, but it kind of became a running joke online yesterday. So uh, kind of being our, our resident Halo fanatic, um, there was really neat news this week that uh, they finally approved and, and got working all the Xbox 360 uh, Halo titles on the Xbox One backwards compatibility. So this includes Halo 3, Halo 3 ODST, Halo 4, and Halo CE Anniversary. It took me a second there. Uh, Halo CE Anniversary. So all of those now work on the Xbox One just as they did on the 360. Obviously, some frame rate improvements and things like that. But this is really neat. And, uh, you know, one of the questions that gets asked frequently is, well, don't they have Master Chief Collection? And yes, um, obviously, you can play those games through Master Chief Collection. But they're slightly different, especially for multiplayer. And the reason being is that when you play the Xbox 360 version, it actually has all of the same uh, playlists and, you know, 
uh, options that you remembered playing multiplayer with on those old games. Whereas the Master Chief collection was kind of a curated collection that that mixed some things up with playlists and maps, etc. So if you have really fond memories of playing specific playlists in Halo 3 or 4 or what have you, um, those are now able to be played on the Xbox One. Um, I'm a big fan of Halo 4 Big Team Battle. Halo 4 catches a lot of flack in the Halo community, but the Big Team Battle and it is kind of known among the hardcore as just one of those really fun Halo game types. So uh, I've actually had friends that are going out and buying Halo 4 again so that we can play online. So this is, uh, you know, for Xbox community, Halo fans, this was really cool news to see this week. Yeah, one thing I wanted to mention before you go buy that Halo 4 on the 360 on your um, for your Xbox backwards compatibility, check your um, games that need to be installed on your Xbox One. A lot of times it'll actually pick up like a save file you had before. If you had the game installed on your Xbox 360, you can just re-download it sometimes. I don't know the actual um, programming side of how that works, but there's been a lot of games that I did not install, but they were ready to be installed um, via my Xbox One, and I can just play it right there. So. Yeah, that's. Uh, I had a friend comment on that yesterday, so that's exactly right. So definitely check that first. And then just to close out the, the Halo topic is um, Halo 3 is widely regarded as, you know, the seminal title for the series. Um, it obviously changed the landscape of competitive, um, you know, FPS gameplay back in uh, 2007 when it released. So the 10-year anniversary of that is actually tomorrow, uh, Monday, September 25th which is kind of hard to believe, but um, there's going to be some kind of, uh, if you're within the community, there's going to be some festivities. A bunch of people are going to be playing it and streaming and all those things to celebrate. So if, uh, you know, if you're a Halo fan, just keep an eye for that. You probably already are aware of that, but uh, if you weren't, that's tomorrow on Monday, the 25th, like I said. So that'll be fun. Good deal. Um, and some good information for you security-wise with all the hacks that have been going on and, you know, our credit bureaus being messed up. There's been some good news coming to you from the Nintendo side of things. Nintendo has now added two-step authentication for your Nintendo account. So um, that's something to definitely go in. I think Ains and I both recommend that to everybody. You don't want any security breaches with any of your payment methods or anything. Um, and so that's some really good news on that. Um, other stuff that's kind of come out for Minecraft, there's now a Halo pack available for the Switch. Um, we've seen a lot of good stuff happening between Nintendo and Microsoft regarding cross-play and ability to have some, some data between the two of them. I think uh, Rocket League will be full cross-play. Uh, Minecraft is said to be full cross-play here in the near future if it's not already. So it's really good to see kind of those two companies kind of getting along together and continuing to do things. So they've both been pushing cross-play pretty strong. So good news there for us. Yeah, in fact, the uh, it's the uh, for Minecraft, it's the Better Together update. So this um, kind of Halo pack and some of the DLC packs that would be made of Microsoft content available on the Switch was kind of part of that. So that Better Together update was in beta for the past several weeks. It officially released this week. I think there's been it's been a little buggy for some people. So uh, I don't know if anyone who listens is playing it. I haven't personally tried it myself, but uh, kind of curious to hear people who have tried the um, the play between you know switch and pc or xbox and pc or switch you know just anything um where the cross play is enabled so if uh, you have comments or experiences on that just let us know we'd love to hear it. i think we need to set up like some kind of a deal next time to just not mention minecraft in one vidcast <laughs> one vidcast i mean geez. they're in all our news all the time um so what's this what's this news going on between blue hole and uh and PUBG stuff. What's or not um, um, PUBG and Fortnite? What, what's going on between the two of them? 
Yeah, this one was interesting and caught a lot of exposure this week. So, um, in short, uh, you know, Epic Games was pushing the Battle Royale mode in Fortnite um, because they were big fans of PUBG. And so the developers there decided to take Fortnite and, and create like a PUBG-like mode, right? Or a Battle Royale mode, they're calling it, where it's very, very similar. So it's 100 players. Uh, you land on an island where the it, you know it gets smaller and smaller as time goes on. You have a single life, every man for themselves, and you know there's one winner in the end. Um, I've played it. It's a lot of fun. I've enjoyed it a lot. I think we talked about it on our last big cast. But uh, what was interesting was the VP of Blue Hole. So his name is uh, Chang Hong Kim. He came out this week, and I have a direct quote from him here. Um, he basically criticized Epic Games for creating the Battle Royale mode, which uh, kind of caught everyone off guard because, you know, in the video game industry, whenever a certain type of game is hot, just, you know, many developers come out and start making that type of game. That's nothing new. That's gone on for decades. So um, his quote on it was, We've had an ongoing relationship with Epic Games throughout PUBG's development as they are the creators of Unreal Engine 4. <clears throat> the engine we license for the game. So he said, after listening to the growing feedback from our community and reviewing the gameplay for ourselves, we are concerned that Fortnite may be replicating the experience for which PUBG is known. We have also noticed that Epic Games references PUBG in the promotion of Fortnite to their community and in communications with the press. This was never discussed with us, and we don't feel that it's right. So that's, uh, that's the main quote that kind of kicked off this firestorm. And, uh, you know, my personal feedback on this is, one, unless there was some breach of contract or breach of technology usage, um, I, I really don't know what he's going on about. There might be something behind the scenes that the public's not aware of. But just from the outside looking in, um, this is kind of bizarre because all he's done here really with PUBG being so popular right now and Battle Royale and Fortnite just being kind of a niche mode you know that people are picking up on all he did was just give free advertising to fortnite uh in a, in a major way in my opinion because i follow this stuff pretty closely and battle royale and fortnite is just picking up steam now and you got to remember that PUBG as of today is only on pc whereas fortnite is on pc xbox and playstation so there's a lot more players as a community that potentially can be playing on fortnite than uh than PUBG. So this one's really strange. I don't know if anything's going to go further, but I know that uh, Bluehole did say they're um, uh, researching further action. So wow. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. That's a direct quote as well. So I don't know what that means or what they're looking at, but this is going to be interesting to follow over the, the coming weeks, especially as, you know, um, Fortnite uh, becomes more and more popular, like I said, and PUBG expecting to land on Xbox here in the next few months. So. Yeah, the funny thing, and be, before we jump to the other Fortnite news, is um, that's the most I've heard in the press about Fortnite since it launched. Mm -hmm. So I, it, maybe people didn't even know that there was a PUBG-like mode in Fortnite. Well, now they know, and they're probably going to give it a try. So um, go, way to go, Fortnite. And they're, <laughs> it's like some weird political, you know, weird advertising. You know, what is it, that old phrase, you know, even bad news is good news or... Bad press. Um, Any press is good press. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think yeah. this is a perfect example because unless, like I said, there was some breach of contract or something actually illegal, which it doesn't seem like, um, if I was up at games, I would just be going, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. You mm -hmm. know, because now I can promise you their sales have gone up, especially, you know, um, PlayStation 4 has a big community, right? And those guys, they don't have PUBG and they're not getting 
or excuse me, they don't have PUBG and they know they're not getting it anytime soon. And I know a lot of PS4 only players, I've seen comments where they're, you know, they want a battle royale type game. So now they have one and now they're aware that they have one. So wow. you see, we'll see what happens. Backfired. <laughs> um, so we were talking about crossplay, and this this was kind of a funny thing that happened. Uh, still relating to Fortnite. So last week, uh, a Reddit user actually commented um, that he was on Xbox, and he was playing against, or excuse me, he was on PlayStation Four, and he was playing against someone with a specific username that looked odd to him because the name that the user had could not be made on PSN. PSN does not allow spaces in your name, and so. He looked it up and found that, yeah, the person he was playing against did not have a PSN account and they weren't on PC. So guess what? They were on Xbox One and this was confirmed. So for a short time period last week, PlayStation 4 and Xbox One players um, were playing Fortnite together. And uh, contrary to, I guess, Sony's belief, the world didn't end and uh, nothing came crashing down. You know, everyone was just kind of happy and thought it was cool. And, and this... Um, this kind of blew up, right? Because what was funny is Epic Games actually came out, made a formal statement and said it was an accident. They didn't mean to do it and they turned it back off. So it, it only happened for a brief period of time. But what's really funny about it is that, you know, this obviously just goes to show that one, it's not only possible as we're as we've known, really, but just how easy it is. You know, if they can just turn it on and off like that, it's it's kind of incredible that we're not all playing together nowadays. And um, Phil Spencer, you know, head of Xbox, who we comment on uh, pretty often here, he actually posted a comment and all he said was, I wish they would have kept it on. So obviously kind of a little, you know, a little poke tweet there, but um, it's it's true, right? Most people agree with him. Even PS on, PS4 only guys agree that there's no reason at all why, you know, we shouldn't all be playing together in this day and age. Right. So much for all that safety for our, you know, users. I mean... It's like the world came crashing down, as you said, but it's all back together, I guess. Good for Sony? I don't, I don't even know. <laughs> so weird. I, I think with all this publicity, we're we're going to get to cross-play with the platform sooner rather than later. I don't think Sony continues to take this negative press you know, without making some changes. It doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. Fully agree. It'd be nice to play a lot of games like your Call of Duties, Battlefields on, on both systems. Just with, I mean, you imagine more games that could be played at that moment without having to search for rooms and stuff in the future. I was just going to say, you know, the think of all the major multiplayer games that have to curate playlists or say, you know, well, we can't have a dedicated playlist for this mode because there's not enough players. Um, whereas, you know, that's what the players want. I mean, suddenly you double that pool or if you talk about PC, you know, if you can enable PC, you're even, you know, just the pool player pool would be expanded so, so great that... Um, it would give developers a lot more options. So I, I hope we get there soon. Okay, so switching to some games here, um, we are approaching the end of the year, only in, gosh, three, four months coming up. Um, and so there's been a lot of Game of the Year talk and a lot of games that have been in the Game of the Year talk for a while. And uh, the Golden Joystick Award voting is going on right now. And the two games that are leading the most nominations are Horizon Zero Dawn and Persona 5. And the interesting thing about that is Persona 5 is one of those, I guess you'd consider it a JRPG or just a Japanese type game that doesn't usually sell amazing here in North America um, or even in Europe to a certain extent. These are mainly sold amazingly well in the Asian countries, specifically Japan, Korea, uh, China. Um, and with that being said, it is going to be in the running for 
um, game of the year for a lot of people. It might even be in one of our nominations for that. So uh, the awards will be November 17th. So if you do follow this at all, um, I wouldn't say they're mainly a predictor for game of the year for, you know, any of the big video game shows or IGN or GameSpot. I mean, that's not a predictor there. Everybody has their own opinions, but um, these two games are more than likely going to be in our nomination for game of the year. We both love both of them um, and we'll see what it happens. But uh, if you do want to vote for it, you still can go in and vote for it. I believe the website is gamesradar.com backslash golden joystick awards. And if you want to vote towards them, you can, uh, but those are the ones leading the nominations so far. So anything you want to add to that, Ains? Vote for Prey. That's all I got to say. <laughs> yeah, to be honest with you, uh, my big game is Zelda. I'm surprised that's not leading more nominations. So we'll see. Maybe it just gets totally doesn't win anything this year. I bet you that'll be interesting if that does happen. Yeah, I, I don't know, honestly. Um, I, I don't know even what the categories are here. I haven't gone through them. So I, I know there's a lot of categories and that they're very specific. You know, they um, they do a lot of technical details, which is probably why things like Persona 5 and Horizon Zero Dawn are on there because of certain things they were doing within their game. Um, but we'll see. I don't know. I'll, I'm going to go on there soon and check it out. And uh, like we said, that's going through November 17th. So you got plenty of time to vote. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I bet you... Uh, we should have a bet on this on the site for nominations for the end of the year, but I bet you Mario has more nominations than Zelda. There's my prediction on that for over overall all sites and stuff. I bet you when that game comes out, it's going to blow everybody away. Um, I, I, well, I hope so because I prefer Mario games to Zelda games anyway. So I hope but, that uh, that's true. I, I don't want to be let down. I don't think we will. I, I agree with you. I think Mario is going to be uh, a yeah. forerunner on, you know, day one for game of the year. Right. Um, speaking of Asian countries, so in, this week we did have TGS, also known as the Tokyo Game Show, um, as far as conferences go. This is where you see a lot more Japanese-ish games that get a lot more attention. So if you have followed trailers for the past even two weeks, there was a few trailers that came out before the convention started, or the show started, I guess in this sense. And um, there's been a lot more new trailers. Some of the big trailers for games that people have been watching are for Code Vein, which is, um, I guess you call that, what, an action RPG? It's not a, a turn-based or anything, so action RPG. Monster Hunter World, which has traditionally been on the Nintendo side, is now coming to Sony and Xbox, so that's got some new trailers. There's been a couple funny and slash weird announcements that have come out this week, so Final Fantasy IX, I believe, was available on PlayStation 4 to kind of make clear on that it is not a remastered version of any sorts to an extent so it's not a playstation 4 remaster but it is the pc version of the game which was a better looking version than the original game so you're not getting any new full motion videos any new graphics that you're doing during gameplay but it is nicer than what was originally launched so that's something that might be important to you um some other things um Ains, you want to talk about some of these you, you you knew a little bit more about this than i did even though i did follow the tgs for the most part uh, yeah, so um, just real quick. So Code Vein is, um, they're, they're calling it, uh, for right or wrong, anime Dark Souls. So it's it's uh, supposed to play like Dark Souls, be very challenging, um, but it has a very anime look to it. So uh, whether that appeals to you or not, you know, that's up to see. But the game does look really cool. Monster Hunter World is expected to be a huge release. Um, it's coming out January 26th. So it's it's going to probably be one of the, big, uh, the first big release of 2018. And there's been a lot of footage on that that has kind of uh, looked a lot better than what we saw at E3. So uh, yeah. Monster mm -hmm. Hunter has, um, you know, a really hardcore 
uh, player base. There's people who've put thousands of hours into those games. But this is really neat because, as we talked about before, I believe, it's the first time we're getting it on a on the new kind of current generation of consoles instead of just handheld or mobile or something. Um, so I'm, I'm actually pretty excited for it. I've never gotten into it. I've looked forward to playing it, but it never really appealed to me. Uh, I didn't want to play it on the Wii U. I don't have a 3DS, so... Um, you know, I think this will be really neat, especially if it has uh, Pro and X1X support. So we'll see. And just an FYI on that, I, d I haven't even looked. I did see this week that there is a collector's edition for Mon Monster mm -hmm. Hunter World, which is going to be sought after, and it's only on GameStop. It's a GameStop exclusive collector's edition. And yep. just based on history, um, collector's editions that are exclusive to one outlet usually sell out, and they're, they, they're sought after later. So FYI on that one. And then lastly, um, there was an announcement for a new game, which they don't do a lot of at TGS uh, you know, nowadays. TGS used to be kind of a, a focal point, but there's so many game shows annually now that TGS is, is kind of small in comparison. But Left Alive, so this is really interesting. It takes place in the Front Mission universe. Um, so Front Mission hasn't been around in a very long time. Uh, another beloved series from the, the older PlayStation days. I believe the last one was on PlayStation 3. And... Um, <clears throat> There's a lot of talent on this, so I, I'm looking at my notes here because I forgot off the top of my head, but the, the director of it is the director of Armored Core. Um, the character designs uh, is the gentleman that did Metal Gear Solid's character designs, and then the Final Fantasy um, brand manager slash producer is going to be working on the title as well. So it's kind of a mix of really grade A talent working on the game. We haven't seen much of it yet, just a small teaser, but uh, given the talent and... Uh, you know, behind it, this could be a really interesting title in 2018. Yeah, and really quick to touch on it, uh, Monster Hunter World, gosh, their E3 trailer was lackluster, to say the least, for me. I was like, wow, this is the Monster Hunter that we've all been waiting for. Um, and seeing the new stuff about it, it, it looks a lot better. So I'm glad they kind of got a second chance to do that, and the hype is back again. And yes, the GameStop exclusive Monster Hunter World, if you're a Monster Hunter World fan, pre-order that thing, because it's going to be hard to find. Um, and they're going to be getting a lot of people from the Nintendo world that, you know, have played it on 3DS and their consoles moving over to the Xbox One, PlayStation 4 side. Um, and they'll be very sought after. So grab that if you can. And really cool about uh, that. And I guess like a super team almost uh, for their game. So it'll be really cool to kind of see what that finally looks like. And did, was there even like an estimated release window or anything? 2019, 2018? No, it said 2018 in the teaser. Oh. But, you know, what that means, that doesn't mean anything. So yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. Yeah. Um, well, I, again, we're, we're taking time on this topic. But one more cool thing about Monster Hunter World, we keep going back to it, is um, apparently the um, what makes it really neat is it's not like... Um, the, the giant monsters that you go after to, to fight and uh, hopefully capture, they're not just kind of sitting there waiting for you to go kick their butt or beat them up. Um, they actually, uh, the game has an ecosystem. So all these monsters and creatures that are in this huge open world that you'll be playing in are just kind of living their own lives. They're taking care of actual like uh, babies and, you know, flying around and just interacting with the environment. So uh, supposedly um, it's supposed to be like a huge kind of living world that you're playing in. Um, and apparently the developers, uh, the world they developed, they went and did like footage capture in Australia and other exotic uh, locations as well. So it's, it really sounds neat. I'm hoping that it sucks me in, and uh, I like the release date too. You know, there's uh, we see we don't see many big titles releasing right at the start of the year, so I'm really looking forward to it. 
Awesome. Yeah, always good to see kind of good development from them in general. So good stuff. Uh, a couple last little things and one kind of big thing that we'll save more information for maybe for a main topic one day, but this is just really quick news and stuff that we figured would be informative for you. But there is a website called Six Access and we're not trying to push anything with their information. But what they did is they were kind of in the news this week, um, mainly because they scored NBA 2K17 or 2K18 uh, really low because of the amount of microtransactions that existed inside the game. And it does. If you can look at this on top of the different versions of the game. So really quick, and I'll move on to the next story. There's a standard 59.99 edition. There's a 99.99 edition. And then there's a 149.99 edition. And the main things that you get in each one of these is different outfits. That you're going to laugh at this, Ains. Shoes, tattoos, hairstyles. Um, different jerseys that you can wear out on the street version of the game that you can play outside of the NBA games. And uh, they criticized this and they did kind of what's considered a protest review score of a three out of 10 on their website. 2K didn't like this. They contacted them and they said they needed to review this, um, et cetera, et cetera. And they threatened all kinds of stuff. I don't think it was legal action, but they said that they're not a fan of this. They had an official statement. And in doing so, Six Axis was kind of forced to remove that score, but they wanted information and they wanted 2K to respond to the amount of microtransactions that are in this game, which are crazy when you think about it from a game perspective. 2K didn't respond and Six Axis went back and retooled the end of their summary of their review explaining why they gave a low score versus just the standard score. And they said that if 2K doesn't respond by X time, they're going to reinstate the review. They have reinstated the review and is currently sitting there right now at a 3 out of 10. I guess the big story here and the big issue from my perspective is when you have publishers and developers reaching out to review sites and saying, take this down or else, that becomes a really dangerous side of things when it comes to to, I guess, media when it comes to video games in general. So I do think a three out of 10 is kind of low, mainly because it is a great game outside of the microtransactions, but it's considered a protest uh, review score. So Ains, any thoughts on this from you? What did you think about it? I'm sure you've heard of it, maybe didn't know the full details, but maybe you did. I'm not, what, what are your thoughts? Yeah, this one's, uh, this one's kind of strange. Um, I, I understand wanting to make a point. I think if you're, you, this is just me speaking, but I think if you're an outlet and you want to be a respected outlet, um, just throwing a really low review score out there because you don't like man, microtransactions is uh, just poor behavior. Um, I don't think that's the right way to go about it. I think, um, you know, if, if you wanted to do it from an honest perspective, review the game properly um, on its technical merits, and then, you know, if it's a seven or an eight or a nine out of 10, whatever it happens to be, put a huge caveat at the end and, you know, make sure the writer of that review comments heavily on the fact that it has microtransactions. Um, I think there's a better way to go about it, I guess, than just throwing a three out of 10 review up there and then waiting for the developer to respond. And then obviously as a gamer, you know, 2K um, coming back and saying, remove this review, that's absolutely ridiculous. I won't even get into that, but um, you know, part of the reason we do what we do here at SG is is to avoid any kind of conflict like this. You know, we have no ads and we have no allegiance to any developer or company. And, and it's for things like this. We we're going to say what we think, honestly. And if someone doesn't like it, oh, well. Um, yeah. But I, I just I don't know. I think this whole thing's a mess. I think they're both in the wrong, to be honest. I think six access was dumb to throw a three out there trying to get a response. And I think 2K was stupid enough to respond to it. And um but at the same time, I think that um, it is a conversation 
the community wants to have. You know, the community is getting more fed up with microtransactions and paying, um, you know, uh, paying for content that it, it could be argued should be in the game normally. Um, and we've had this conversation, you know, we did a conversation recently on it, so I won't rehash all those topics, but, um, yeah, this is, uh, this is a strange one. I think they're both in the wrong and, uh, we need to have an honest conversation as a, as an industry, I think, um, rather than these little, you know, protest arguments that, I don't right. know, it seems kind of childish to me. Yeah. We, I don't think we could even, I don't think either one of us would let the other one give a protest review score of a three out of 10 because of something silly like that. But Hey, it happens, and you know that same stuff happened with Breath of the Wild before the game was even fully reviewed. I won't even mention his name because I'm not a fan of his reviews in general. But he gave that game a five out of ten because it was too hard to move around in the world. Um, he didn't even finish the game, and he's a, apparently a well-respected reviewer, which I'm not a fan of. But like I said, whatever. Yeah, he's not respected. Yeah, interesting guy. <laughs> um, anything? Why don't you go ahead and round us out with some good news <laughs> about uh, Phil Spencer? Both yes. Fans of him. Yeah. So this is. Um... This is really interesting, not really in terms of Xbox or even Phil Spencer. Um, the reason I wanted to talk about this real briefly um, is that it's important to gamers and gaming uh, as an industry. So if you weren't aware, Phil Spencer is the head of Xbox. Obviously, Xbox is a Microsoft product. Microsoft is, I believe, the third largest company in the world going off memory. Um, they have a tremendous influence worldwide, obviously, that goes without saying. But the CEO of Microsoft is uh, Satya Nadella. He is a, a brilliant gentleman. Um, but if you weren't aware, there is a, a group of what they call internally uh, the inner circle at Microsoft. So it's 16 people under Sadella or Nadella, excuse me, um, that are kind of the key to every aspect of Microsoft. And <clears throat> for the first time ever, um, there is now gaming representation within that group. So Phil Spencer was internally promoted at Microsoft to executive vice president, and he now sits on that board with Nadella and, uh, you know, 15 peers or 14 peers. And the reason that's important, of course, right, uh, should be obvious, but maybe it's not if, if people don't come from the business world, is that uh, it means that Microsoft is looking at gaming as an industry that is uh, needs a focus. And so the funding behind that, um, that's going to go into the Xbox brand uh, is one thing, but the larger picture there is that uh, gaming is just growing and growing and growing. And the, um, the industry is becoming more profitable year over year. It's growing in revenue year over year. And so when a company like Microsoft that is as big as they are takes gaming this seriously, uh, that's a win for us all because it means that every platform um, can thrive as, as we're kind of seeing. Um, you know, we've got the Switch, the Xbox, uh, PlayStation, and, and PC, Steam, um, all being successful um, and, and being profitable. So this is just really good news. Like I said, it's more of an industry thing. People should not think about this as just Xbox news because it's much bigger than that. And uh, beyond all of that, Phil Spencer has been like an advocate for gaming in general. He's a very positive guy, very well-spoken, down-to-earth. And uh, this was just great to see for that reason as well. If there's, you know, anyone in kind of the gaming community that you'd like to see have this type of role, um, he's probably one of the guys at the top. So congrats to him. We did put something on our site about it. And uh, this is just uh, one of those kind of happy stories we can end the news on. Yeah, and also another good thing about him that is good for gamers is that he's a gamer himself. So in many, many situations, these big companies, they have a CEO or somebody that is running it, and they don't really game. They just kind of 
are in the industry to, you know, keep a, a business going. So it's cool to see him do that kind of stuff. And I, if you don't follow him on Twitter and stuff, he's pretty fun to follow as well. He speaks his mind, but he does it very eloquently. So it's, uh, it's good. I'm, I'm happy for it. Um, okay. So that's our news for this week. Um, a lot of news we had to cover a lot of things going on there. Um, we usually have kind of some developer news. We're kind of skipping that for this week. I do want to mention a couple rumors and briefly touch on them, not spend too much time on them just because they are rumors and a lot of it's just opinions that are kind of silly in general. Uh, the first one is Mario Odyssey's install size came out as to how big the game is. And this is sparking a lot of rumors of the game being extremely small and to not expect much out of the game. Now, obviously the game is not released. We haven't heard too much from Nintendo as how long you will spend on the game because a lot of that is kind of relative to you and your style. Um, but the, the actual numbers here, so to give you an idea, the install size of Mario Odyssey is only 5.7 gigabytes. And a lot of people were concerned that they would have to go buy a, an additional memory card for their Switch to play this game because they thought it was going to be massive just based on advertising for it. And there's different worlds you do and everything. And it, it, you're not going to need it if, if you haven't bought a ton of software. Um, for comparison, so Zelda Breath of the Wild is about 13.7 gigabytes. And so that is a pretty big game. Um, however, when you compare that to other games like on Xbox One and PlayStation 4 that are not as big, it's still a small size, and I'm talking about Zelda. So Nintendo is notorious for compressing their games really well, and they're very optimized. Um, but so far, like I said, the rumor here is the game is really small and tiny. I wouldn't expect that from a Mario game that is this big and has this much press and this much coming. Um, but we'll see. Uh, at, at the moment, it's just a rumor because we really don't know how big it's going to be. So kind of that's that. Nothing else to it. Take it as, as you will. Um, it's not really fake or rumored. It's just something that's been talked about quite a bit. One thing that is a rumor and that Ains and I kind of despise that happens in the industry is analysts that kind of throw stuff out there just to get a conversation going or to stay relevant, as we like to joke about. Michael Pachter had another one this week that he mentioned the Sony PlayStation 5 was coming out in 2020. Um, why did this become a big deal? It's because, once again, a lot of people do respect this guy's opinion and take it as fact versus an opinion. At the moment, and once again, because we've had to do this three times now, there's no official launch date for the Sony PlayStation 5. Sony has not said a thing about the PlayStation 5 aside from the fact that they, yes, are working on a next-generation console and that's all we've heard from Sony. We have not mentioned dates, what it's going to be, how they're going to attack the gaming industry as far as innovation goes. Um, but if you do find, follow Pactor, just keep in mind, he says a lot of nutty stuff. And he's been right on a few things, but wrong on a ton. So just make sure you're aware of that. Ains, any comments on either one of these rumors slash comments that have come out via social media? No, let's keep this quick. Uh, Mario will be fine. Not going to worry about it. And uh, Pachter, yeah, he, he seems to be getting worse as time goes on. Uh, I don't know. You know, he's been around a very long time. He used to be a little less vocal and a little more accurate. So I, <laughs> yeah. I don't know if that's uh, if there's a, a correlation there. But um, I mean, nobody knows when the PlayStation Five is coming out. There's a lot of there's a much deeper conversation to have about technology and the PlayStation Five and the next Xbox, whatever it's called, um, than just throwing dates out there. You know, um, so it's 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 kind of dumb. People take it as, as gospel, you know, there's 2018 or it's going to drop in 2019 and it just keeps kind of moving and shifting and people throwing meaningless comments out there. So if anyone wants to have an honest conversation about, you know, the 4k TV adoption and 
uh, technology and and you know how that's moving. I, I love those conversations, but these just stupid comments with no backing um, are a waste of time. Right. All right, so let's close that out. Um, our next section is going to be kind of a lot of stuff combined today. So we are going to talk about new releases, what we're currently playing, and we're adding a kind of a new thing this week, um, just because the fall is so crazy, is what's coming out in the next couple of weeks that um, we'll talk about in the future BitCast episode as far as how they're reviewed. So I'm going to talk really briefly and really quick, with the exception of a few games, as to what's come out, and I'm going to mainly talk about the dates that they came out. So starting with September 12th, and I'm going to be reading from my list for the most part. Uh, one of the big ones, as far as score goes, is Tooth and Nail, specific to PlayStation 4 and PC. This is being reviewed pretty well for a, kind of a smaller game. It's got an 81 slash strong on Open Critic, so if you do follow them, make sure you kind of take a look at it. They've got a trailer there for you to look at. It's kind of a smaller game. Uh, Rayman Legends is now kind of coming out on another console, um, and it is a on the Switch. So it finally came out on the Switch. We'll talk about them a little bit more on our next topic but it is being reviewed strong um, with an 81 great game if you never played it if you're waiting for handheld pick it up it's a must buy in our opinion um yeast 8 um, is now out and this is the newest version that is out on numerous places so it is one of the last releases on the vita as far as big games um, the playstation 4 and pc this one's being reviewed really well with a mighty uh, 85 score so one of the better series if you follow them um, they're kind of known for being really well made and really well produced as well. So pick that one up if you've been waiting for it. Um, a big one for soccer fans that is out before FIFA, which we'll be talking about in our next section, is Pro Evolution Soccer 2018. I did talk about this for our releases for September. It's important because it's still coming out on the PlayStation 3 and Xbox 360, as well as other consoles and the PC. So it's just all over the place. Not a ton of innovation this year as far as new features go, but they have streamlined the last features from yesteryear, and it is coming at an 82 slash strong, so kind of big stuff. So that's the big things that came out on the 12th. Um, the 14th had a few big releases as well. Um, NBA Live kind of saw its return back to consoles, and it's just consoles, no PC launch this year so far. Um, it is better than the previous version. A lot of people were getting some first impressions and really enjoyed it. However, it's not near the NBA 2K series that we're, uh, we talked about just now. Um, it did score a 74 fair, so kind of gives you an idea of how bad the previous one goes if this one has a higher score. Um, NHL 18 finally released. Ains and I usually play this one together, um, and we're not, we weren't really impressed with it too much. We haven't picked it up. We'll be waiting for the um, EA Access version to come out, if not after exhausting our free 10 hours from that. Um, kind of reviewed also kind of meh at the right now, mainly because there was no innovation with the exception of a new play mode. Discord 76 slash strong. Uh, Dishonored Death of the Outsider did come out to amazing reviews. As you can kind of uh, imagine, this game has been reviewed from the original Dishonored 2 really, really well. And this is a standalone game, but takes place and has to do with the characters from Dishonored 2. It's coming in at 82 and strong. This is available PlayStation 4. Xbox One and PC if you've been waiting for that one. Um, another big one that is kind of in the vein of what we're talking about, NBA 2K did release in the past couple weeks. Uh, did review pretty well for the most part. However, back on our news section, a lot of people were not fond of the microtransactions. So lower score than last year, just and also not very much innovation. 81 strong on that one. Uh, the big fighter for the month of September finally came out, Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite 
we did kind of mention that we weren't seeing a lot of good things from the trailers and kind of the stuff that's come out. With that being said, it did not review that well. It's not horrible, but it's coming in at a 76 slash strong. So maybe it'll do well with some more Marvel um, franchises as far as movies coming out and people might go pick it up, but it's also not selling amazingly well as some people were kind of uh, hoping it would sell as far as publishers go. Um, to kind of round out kind of the other big releases this month and the past couple weeks, uh, Project Cars 2 did come out and that has gotten some pretty good scores um, as far as the game goes. It did have an 82 strong and that's kind of the big racer before. Uh, you know, Gran Turismo and Forza comes out. Another big one is Steam World Dig 2 that's out for PlayStation 4, Xbox One, PC, and Switch. It's doing amazingly well with the 90 Mighty, so kind of our one of our highest scores for the past couple weeks. Big community there, a lot of people waiting for it, so that's a big one. And the last one, before we talk about one of the betas that came out this week, is Pocket Tournament for the Switch did come out. Um, this is the deluxe version, not the standard one was never an amazingly high-reviewed game, so we're not expecting a, you know, a 9 out of 10 or a 10 out of 10 on this game. It is currently releasing and is being scored at an 81 strong. So um, keep that in mind. That is the big Nintendo release for September. If you're a Pokemon fan, more than likely you have it already and have been playing it. Um, but that's kind of the big release there. Um, I did mention a beta a second ago. The beta for um, Wildlands did come out. This is PvP. It is free uh, to give a try. You don't need the actual game to play it, so you can simply download it. I've been hearing some really good things about it from friends that do play this game, and with Ghost Recon Wildlands being the highest-selling game of 2017 so far, it might be worth a while uh, just to kind of give it a try and, and kind of see what's going on. So um, at this point, we also talk about what we're currently playing, and Ains and I usually have a stack of games that we're currently playing. Why don't you start it out, Ains, to give a different voice for the next couple minutes? So that, <laughs> that was a lot of games. We're yeah. in that time of the year, I think. Um, yeah, so right now, um, I'm, I'm still playing a lot of the games I was uh, last time we chatted, actually, because uh, I'm writing a few reviews. So finishing up on The Long Dark, and uh, that review will be coming this week. Um, gotten to kind of the end game in everybody's golf, and uh, that review is pretty much uh, almost finished. So that'll be coming here in the next few days as well. Um, now that I finish those, I'm going to be putting some more time back into Mar uh, Mario and Rabbids Kingdom Battle and Uncharted Lost Legacy, which I need to uh, play both of those. And then um, a lot of Path of Exile on Xbox still. Uh, really enjoying that. And then lastly, uh, I am... Not sad to say, but surprised to hear myself say that I started playing Destiny 2. Um, as I said, my son had picked it up, and I, I started playing it the other day, and uh, I've been playing it a few hours uh, over the past few days. So I am enjoying it. Still has a lot of things that I think should have been updated uh, from Destiny 1, you know, and that could be improved upon. But, you know, the gunplay and gameplay is smooth, and um, it just feels good to play. It's nice to go and explore. So um, it's one of those games that kind of sucks you in, even if you uh, even if you don't necessarily want to be. So um, we'll see. But um, like I said, a few reviews coming, and then, uh, you know, really just trying to um, prepare for Cuphead. I'm looking forward to that one more than, more than pretty much anything. So, and that's coming late this week. So uh, really excited for that. Right, so I've, I've kind of followed your path to a certain extent. Um, I've got my little trio of PlayStation 4 games, which I've been switching back on and off with uh, my PlayStation 4. So Uncharted Lost Legacy, I'm trucking through it. I will say that, um, to Ains's point in a few bitcasts before, 
It doesn't have the charm that the previous Uncharted's have, and I'm struggling to get through a couple areas. However, it plays really well. So I'm kind of stuck in the middle of, do I want to play that or play something else to see more of what opens up? I'm only in the first four or five hours, and so nothing has really captured me to where I have to you know, play that and nothing else. But I'm making my way through it. So I'll probably play it a couple times to pick up all the other uh, pieces of artifacts and stuff you can grab. Near Automata, this one is one that I don't love as much as everybody else does. I picked it up. I've played probably about 20 hours of it. And um, another game that I don't have to keep playing like some other games that I just can't put down. But it's cool. I like the, uh, the, the kind of the special side of it, I guess you could say. Um, but another game that is not in my game of the year running. Um, and then as we talked about everybody's golf, I've been enjoying it. I'm, I'm now at level four in the game. And as Ain said, we'll kind of be releasing our video review on that coming up. And hopefully you guys like that one. Um, I did finish as what, what I wanted to finish from the F1 2017 game. Fantastic game. Hopefully you had a chance to view the video review or the written review on our site. Um, I've enjoyed that quite a bit. I also got Destiny 2 through a plug and play kit a controller and the game all for $70 shipped to the door. So um, I just started playing it last night. I like what I see so far. I'm not far enough to even have an early impression. Just that I'm about an hour in, so I can't say much about that. And then funny enough, we've been playing Gears again and Injustice <laughs> 2 again. So kind of the, the mainstays that kind of stay in our games. Man, Gears still plays awesome, and it's just something that I have a ton of fun in, regardless of the mode. Even though I rage in that still quite often. But... Um, <laughs> It's so great. So uh, that's what I'm playing now. I probably missed a, a couple things or a few things. We, we play so much and our rotation is so crazy that we probably always leave something small out. But um, so what's coming soon, Ains, for the for the next week or two as far as big titles? We, there's always something at this time of the year. Cuphead. <laughs> uh, yeah, so Cuphead comes out Friday at long last and uh, really looking forward to that, as we've already said several times. Um, but then uh, this Tuesday, so in just a couple days here, is FIFA 18. So obviously one of the best-selling games worldwide annually. So that's obviously a big release for um, for many people. And then uh, if you're um, if you're still following the Telltale Games uh, Batman series, episode two of season two comes out on Tuesday as well. And then uh, Fallout 4 Game of the Year edition. So if you were one of those people who were looking on to pick up uh, the Pip Boy, the Collector's Edition or just hasn't gotten into Fallout 4 yet and was waiting for the kind of overall package that comes out Tuesday as well. And then, um, you know, the the following week, as you kind of commented, Project Cars 2 is out now. It was trying to get the jump on the, what would be considered the more major titles in the racing genre. So Forza 7 comes out on October 3rd. And if you're buying the Ultimate Edition, um, which, you know, we haven't commented if we like this or not, but if you are buying the Ultimate Edition, you get four days early access. So that'll actually be unlocked to play on Friday as well. Um, so if you're Ultimate Edition Cuphead fan, you've got Forza 7 and Cuphead on the same day, which is uh, pretty interesting. That'll keep you busy next weekend. So um, we did play, uh, I know we both played, Bert, the Forza 7 demo. Um, downloaded that, kind of tried some of it out. It is gorgeous. It sounds fantastic. Plays well. You know, everything you expect Forza 7 to be. Obviously, as a huge Porsche fan, you know, the GT2 RS was amazing as well. So... Um, I just, uh, I keep hearing and seeing videos of, uh, Forza 7 on the Xbox One X and just how, you know, absolutely spectacular it, it is. So I just can't wait to see it in that realm. Um, but that's about it. I think, uh, that'll take us through the next week and a half or so. Yeah. And as I said before, there is so much stuff that comes out at this time of the year. This is kind of, uh, as we joke, Christmas for the entire year for gamers in general, September kind of kicks off the fall 
October has a ton of stuff. November has a ton of stuff. And then December, it kind of dies down as far as new releases go. But then everybody buys what was coming out for September, October, November. So um, I did leave a lot of new releases out that um, are just not that big because there's just not enough time in these. And uh, there are kind of not reviewed as well, kind of the smaller games. So if, if there was something, I do suggest going to Open Critic, or you can follow us when we kind of talk about games that are releasing that are kind of might be relevant to your interests. So hopefully you find something there. Okay, so let's go ahead and move over to our main topic for today. And we won't spend a ton of time on this, but this is just something that's kind of been at the edge of my mind um, as far as what's come out. So the big question is, um, are the cost of re-releases from Nintendo's library worth kind of what we're seeing? Um, and this is specific to the Nintendo Switch as to what's going on right now. Um, can't really talk too much about the Nintendo 3DS because we don't really cover a lot of handhelds here, but they do see releases too. Slightly different there because they remastered games that were old games and they come out to 3DS. Where these are somewhat of a remaster, but they're also in almost the same generation. So the one of the main questions I have to ask myself is, um, does the cost of the Switch cartridge really legitimize the increase in cost? Because we've heard Nintendo mention this, we've heard people that are big Nintendo fans talk about this, that the cost to make the cartridge costs more than a Blu-ray or a DVD, and is that legitimate to us? So for me personally, I can see maybe a 2 to $3 increase just on the media if you're legitimizing it for that reason, but for the cost jump that we're seeing in some of the games that we're about to talk about, I personally don't see it. Ains, anything with you on either one of those topics? No, I think uh, that last point is kind of peculiar because, you know, if, even if you were to say that the cost of a Switch cartridge is a dollar or two in a production run more than a disc or something like that, um, that there really doesn't account for the um, digital downloads, right? So the digital price is the same if you buy it directly from Nintendo. And just anecdotally, I think a lot of people are buying digitally on the Switch because uh, you know it's it's looked at as more of a portable system and people aren't switching out a lot of cartridges. Um, but I, I, I don't know if that really holds merit there. Um, that's a conversation that we I feel like we had 20 years ago and we shouldn't really be having again. So uh, you have to imagine that Nintendo, when they designed the Switch um, and they went with that proprietary cartridge design, they knew that was going to be um, a factor. So I, I think that's kind of silly to use that as a, as a reasoning. Right, and, and an interesting point too is there's been a lot of uh, outlets that have kind of done testing on the best way to get the slow, uh, fastest load times, um, and you know, cartridge was supposed to be a faster load time than a disc, which it is. However, the the fastest load times in games like uh, Zelda, um, Splatoon, and other games like that is if you install it digitally with the internal memory that you're only stuck to 32 gigs, which is only about 27, 28 gigs once you take off the OS. So yeah, to your point, you're not really paying that additional amount if you're getting it digitally anyways. Um, and I do see that the overall Nintendo community, uh, with the exception of collectors, is probably going to be going digital in general anyways, because you're going to have it on the go. So that's kind of an interesting um, take on that. Um, so that's that's a concern that I've had and, and something that, I, that people argue about. Uh, well, the cartridge is going to raise the cost so much. Something else that is kind of questionable from a, a gaming perspective is, are games that you've played the heck out of on the Wii U or the Wii or whatever that it comes out, are you going to replay that game altogether um, from a home console perspective? Um, I personally have run into this with Mario Kart. Um, I, I take my Switch on me on the go, and I play other games, but I have not found myself going through and replaying games to the max that I played them on the Wii U. Now this definitely varies for people that maybe never had a Wii U. Maybe this is the first time you're getting to experience a game. Will this affect you? 
Um, so that's something that I've battled with personally, and I've now questioned buying re-releases in general because I haven't got the most out of them. Ains, what are your thoughts on that? As far as do you see yourself replaying a game to the max that you already did just two years ago, a year ago? No, I don't think so. I, I think the um, the fascination with being able to take your home game on the go, um, it's not wearing off, but it, it may be a little bit for me. Um, and that, you know, like we, for instance, Mario Kart 8 is or Mario Kart 8, man, it's going to take a long time <laughs> to get that right. Um, was a good example, right? Because we both played the heck out of it all Wii U and we bought we both bought it again on the switch ideally to play together online and because of uh, nintendo's online or lack of online system we're unable to do that so i actually sold my copy because i didn't find myself just wanting to replay everything i had already done on the wii u and uh you know whether it's first party or third party i think that same conversation arises so there's a lot of uh you know publicity over skyrim coming to the switch and doom coming to the switch and i think that's great to see i love that 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 that's happening but as someone who has put a few hundred hours into skyrim and did so five plus years ago i don't really have a huge um you know want to buy that again just to play on the go especially you know as as the switch matures and you get more of the exclusives and the first party titles like breath of the wild mario odyssey things like that that are unique to the switch why would i spend time replaying skyrim on the switch when i can be playing something new um and you know when you look at the other factor, so Doom, for instance, is going to be running at, uh, you know, 4K on the Xbox One X and, and at a high, you know, 4K 60, and it's going to be gorgeous and mind-blowing. Um, I don't know why I'd want to spend time playing on the Switch um, when I've already played the game, plus it's a lower quality, um, just because it's on the go. I think you could probably better better off playing other things, at least for me personally. Yeah, and that comes from us both choosing Doom as our game of the year you know, last year. So it's, yeah. it's interesting. I've, I've seen the argument, but you can take doom on the go. Well, yeah, it's going to be on the go and that's cool and everything. I, I think that the biggest story from it coming to the switch is not that it's doom coming. It's the fact that we're getting more adult games on the switch, which has not happened in past Nintendo consoles for a while. So uh, I, I don't know. That's something that I, I struggle with all the time. I think it's cool to get doom. Will I be buying doom at launch at full price? No, I'm not going to pay $60 for that game. That's crazy to me, but you know, We'll see as far as how it's going to do. I think it'll sell surprisingly well because most of the Nintendo folk that only buy Nintendo have never played Doom or even seen Doom. They don't even know what Doom in 4K or 60 frames per second is even like. And I've already seen this a number of times saying, I don't care about 30 frames per second versus 60 frames per second. I just want to play it on my Switch. It's like, well, if you actually play shooters, which most Nintendo people that are specific to Nintendo-only consoles have not really seen a ton of shooters from the Wii U and the Wii in the past five to 10 years. So kind of mixed opinion there on that one. I'm not really sure what to think about Doom. We'll talk more about Doom in a second. But the last thing, and you've kind of touched on it already, is is the cost to get a game on the go really worth the full price MSRP that is the standard going rate for new games of $60 for games that have already been out? Um, me personally, no. Uh, to a certain extent, I don't think it is because I think the majority of people that our home console gamers are not going to do that again. However, if you're an on-the-go gamer, it makes sense for you. So I think it's kind of down the line as to what is important to you as a gamer versus what's important to the other gamer. I know some people that have put polls on Twitter and Facebook as, you know, where have you played your Switch more? Do you play it more on the go or at home? Surprisingly, that that 
percentage is not as skewed one way versus the other. They're almost, um, I think, down the middle, if not 60-40, as to whether they're playing at home or on their console docked. Um, what are your final thoughts on that point, Ains? Yeah, I know for me personally, I play it more at home. Um, I, I have taken it with me, and I love the fact that I can do that. But, you know, um, in reality, I do play it more at home than I do, say, on the road somewhere. Um, you know, paying for the portability factor is obviously a personal decision. Um, but I think, I think at least at a high level, it seems kind of strange to say I'm going to repay full MSRP, full $60, just to be able to play the same game again, um, but on the go. Uh, I think unless you're really someone who travels an awful lot or is on a plane all the time or, you know, uh, uh, takes the subway to work or something like that, um, I think that argument is is tough to make or that case is tough to make. Um, I, I, we've talked about this, too. I, I, I don't know why Bethesda is charging a full $60 for Skyrim or Doom on the Switch, uh, especially when you get those games, you know, for a lot less Um on other platforms and and i can't imagine it, it the cost of development you know warrants that 60 dollars price tag i think honestly what it is is as you kind of touched on with the hardcore nintendo people is they're not used to seeing these games a lot of the these players don't play other consoles and so they haven't played these games yet and so you combine those two things together and i i honestly think that they're going to sell well regardless of the fact that they're going to be 60 dollars. so yep. um but for me personally no i i'm not anxious to to do that again um i don't think i'll be picking up any of these but i love doom to death uh, i think it would be cool to, to play on the go but like i said when i when i can play so many other games especially big games that'll take a lot of my time like mario or zelda um that's not really for me there there was one other point i was going to make and i actually i lost it it fell out of my head here so um if you want to kind of yeah, yeah finish let's... up your comments and i'll see if it comes back to me i don't know yeah, so I didn't have any new comments as far as open comics. I did want to briefly talk about the math of where these games are as far as cost-wise. And we can start with first party. So let's talk about the two first party games that are re-releases from the Wii U, whether you knew that or not. Maybe you didn't buy the Wii U, didn't care about the Wii U, you were doing something else, maybe you went strictly in a handheld. Um, let's talk about them. So the first one, Mario Kart 8, which was originally a game that came out on the Wii U, and here's your Wii U version. Um, when this came out, it was $59.99. And one of the funny things about Nintendo is they don't lower the price of their software very much. Um, the lowest this game got at retail when the Wii U was kind of seeing kind of the end of the, of the light and uh, Switch had not been announced yet, this was on sale fairly often for $39.99. You could find it for that. Um, and it currently goes for $29.99 or $39.99 at GameStop in the Wii U format. So you can get this today for that. Uh, when this game came out on the Switch, it was a full $59.99. Now, the additional features that you did get is you did get some better textures, and you did get the additional characters that were not in the Mario Kart 8 game even outside of DLC. So there was two Splatoon characters that were added. Um, and there was, I believe, an additional four characters that were added to the Mario Kart 8 uh, game via DLC. So you had to pay for it, and there was some new tracks, and there was a new 200 class, which came to everybody. That all came bundled in the Switch version. And one of the frustrating things was 
is a lot of that stuff was already unlocked for you when you got it on the Switch. So there's no reason to unlock it. The only thing you got on the Switch to unlock was new tires, new, um, I believe, your glider that you could have, and the actual cart was different, and you had to unlock those things. But the characters were already unlocked for you, so there was no special things there. So that kind of brings up the what we're just talking about, the math. Uh, you're paying $60 for a game that has been out since, gosh, when did this game come out? Um, can't even find the date here on it, but let's just say 2013 for, for argument's sake that game came out. And you can currently buy the Wii U version for $40. You're paying an additional 20 for the Switch version. Um, once again, we're talking first party, so they kind of stick to their games and their prices very similar. The last one I'll talk about, and then I'll let Ainge jump in here. So, um, sorry, Bert, I was just going to yeah. say that Mario Kart 8's original release date was in May of 2014, so it's over three years old now. Okay, over three years old. Um, yeah, so kind of questionable there, to say the least, on that. But like I said, Nintendo does not lower the prices on their first party games that much. Pocket Tournament, which is coming out or has come out, depending on when you're listening to this, um, is also a full $59.99. You can currently get that game for $49.99 used. Now, here's the tricky thing about that. That game originally ended up dropping to $29.99 at one point when the game was out. I believe, I don't know when the price exactly went out, so I can't you know give you factual data on this one, but I believe when the Switch started getting close to release, Pocket was already in development. They ended up raising the price back up to $49.99, sorry, $49.99 new from Amazon. You can still get it from Amazon for $49.99 directly from Nintendo. So kind of a shady practice there. It's currently $49.99 for the Wii U, $59.99 for the Switch, Here's the tricky thing. You can get it used for $39.99 from GameStop. Again, same pricing. Nintendo does this with their first party stuff. The only game that has the excuse of staying close to the price is Zelda because it released at the same time for the Wii U or the Switch. So that's where we are with first party re-releases. We'll talk about what we have as predictions for future re-releases that were on Wii U and are now coming to the Switch that are not announced yet. But Ains, anything you had to say on first party stuff before I talk about third party? Yeah, no, I was just going to say that looking at Pocken uh, Tournament 2, that came out in July of 2015 originally. So that's over two years old now as well. So um, we, we've touched on this before. You kind of nailed it in the sense that just first party Nintendo is a unique beast. <laughs> and uh, for whatever reason, they, they can do this and get away with it. You know, no other developer, no other publisher does this whether even if it's first party you know sony microsoft their games come down like every other third party it's just nintendo um and i don't know why that is a i i have to imagine that if uh, mario kart 8 and pocket tournament you know if these games as the years went on if they went down to like 1999 budget titles more people would own them um i i just don't see how many people are going out there and buying a a wii u game three years after release for 50 dollars. it doesn't make a lot of sense to me yeah, it's and as we've said, people are going to buy them. So I think Nintendo does that because they can. It's one of those kind of tactics because they can. Um, so let's talk briefly about third party. So really quick, Doom, which is the big one that's gotten the most press lately because that is coming this year to the uh, Switch, will be priced at fifty nine ninety nine. So how much do you think you can get Doom for right now on third party um, as far as Xbox One and PlayStation 4? Well, Amazon, to kind of give you a heads up, had it as low as $15 this past year on PlayStation 4 or Xbox One. 
you could at many times find this game used for $15. Currently, Doom goes for about $29 to $25 um, as MSRP, and that is with all DLC that you can get with it as well, which they have made free in a lot of areas. So kind of a weird option there. The Switch version is going to be coming with all DLC, just to give you a heads up. They did mention that. It's only going to be running at 30 frames per second, and 1080p is not guaranteed. I have a feeling that game is going to run at 720p. Um, even docked, but I can't comment on it too much that it's not out yet. But so $60 versus 20 or 25. So you're paying three times the, the cost to play it on the Switch for a, a, a lower version. I'm not sure how I feel about that one. I would probably be okay with it being around $39.99, even though that would be too much for me still. I would probably think the best price for that game would be $29.99. However, I do understand it's coming to the Switch, so they have to get that. Another one that I'll talk about, and once again, I'll pass it off to Ains, is Skyrim. So I have this on Xbox 360. I am not a huge Skyrim person, even though I joke, I've bought this game four times now. <laughs> and every time I, I try it, I just can't get into it as much as other people do. Power to them if they love it. <laughs> but Skyrim is the other massive game coming out this fall for the Switch. Uh, also $59.99. Um, you can get Actually, I'm going to ask you, Wayne, since you probably have the computer in front of you, but what is the Skyrim Complete Edition going for right now on PC, PlayStation, Xbox? Do you have any idea what that is as far as other consoles? So are we talking about the member? Because they've done a bunch of editions. So you had Skyrim, then on 360 and PS3, you had the Legendary Edition, which I had. And then, then on Xbox One, PS4, you have the Definitive Edition. So is that the one you're referring to? Yeah, I'm talking about kind of the latest one that had everything. So Definitive, PlayStation 4, Xbox One, what is that looking at? I'm guessing 30 bucks. Uh, looking right now. You can get it for, yeah, so basically low 30s, between yeah. 25 and 35. 35, okay. So the Switch version will obviously not be the completely amazing-looking PlayStation 4, Xbox One version, which was said to be PC settings pretty, pretty high. You're going to get it on handheld, um, full price versus uh, they just don't match up, in, in my opinion, as far as portability goes. And that's really the only thing Nintendo Switch has to sell on. You can take it on the go. You're not getting any new features aside from a Link pack on Skyrim. You're not going to get any new DLC that was not in the other DLC. So kind of a weird thing to, to take on that. Ains, are you going to be buying Doom or Skyrim on Switch? Probably not. No. <laughs> I think for all the reasons we said, it's just they're not worth it to me uh, right. just to play on the go. Um, if they were bringing something new to the table, as you commented, if, if they came out and said, okay, Doom's got some new features and uh, you know maybe some new weapons, I don't know, what have you, just something new, then maybe I'd consider it. But um, it's just really not worth it, um, especially coming at this time. Um, I, but I, again, I think that I bet you, um, and I'll make this a bet right now, that uh, Skyrim will sell, will break a million copies on Switch. And that's knowing that there's only, what, by the time it releases, seven or eight million Switches in the wild, and so a lot of those are Japanese audience. I yep. still think it'll break a million copies, um, which will just be shocking because the game's going to be six years old. They're charging $60 for it, as you said. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll see. But I... Yeah, I don't know. I, I it, the portability factor is not worth it that much to me uh, personally. 
Yeah, and Skyrim is like turning into the latest Grand Theft Auto Five. I mean, that's come out a long time ago and it's been re-released on everything multiple times. We'll see what happens. But with Skyrim being Skyrim, I mean, gosh, it's just nuts to me that the game is still selling as much. The last thing I want to touch on is games that are releasing on the Switch now that do legitimize $59.99, even though they're the lower, I don't want to say dumbed down version, but the lack of fully featured options is NBA 2K and FIFA. Those are coming out on the Switch. You're not getting the full textures. You're not getting on that, obviously, because of lack of horsepower on the Switch, but you're still getting a great experience, and I have zero problems paying $60 for those games. They make complete sense to me. The last game, which I talked about a second ago, which just released in the past two weeks, is Raymond Legend. Um, that is not a $59.99 deal. However, I still think it's too much. <laughs> uh, here's why. So Rayman Legends, the best version for that game for the longest time, I think widely accepted by most people, is the Wii U version because of the multiplayer feature of it and the fact that you can use the stylus in many parts of that game. The Switch version, you lose every single one of those features on the Switch, and you also are there. The game is also having frame rate issues playing on the Switch. I'm not sure if there was an issue with the porting of it coming over. I'm not sure what it was, but the the Wii U version, the Xbox One, and the PlayStation Four versions are the better versions of the game. Um, so the current Rayman Legends purchase price is around 19 or 25 dollars somewhere in that range you can get it used for 12 dollars in many outlets right now so worth 40 dollars i'm not sure however i did see rayman legends on the switch for sale already for 35 to 30 dollars on the switch so i don't want to spend too much time on that but the math like i said for me i have issues with it i i think other people do as well that are fairly um, open-minded about playing other consoles aside from just the Switch. So, is anything else you want to touch on that before we give some predictions of Wii U games that are coming to the Switch in the near future? No, I was just going to say I was looking up to see because I, I didn't know where Skyrim ended up in terms of sales. And uh, the latest thing I could find here right now is that in November of last year, so almost a year ago, um, Todd Howard had confirmed that Skyrim had sold more than 30 million copies to date. So, Holy crap. Um, people are still buying it this year. And then if you factor in the Switch, like we said, and don't forget there's Skyrim VR coming as well. So if you include all those, it won't surprise me to see it break uh, 40 million here in the future. But what's what's really crazy, and I don't want to take us off of the, the uh, Nintendo topic or Skyrim, but Skyrim has sold, you know, say 35 million copies, which is extraordinary. And that's in six years. It just puts into perspective how much of a, uh, success Grand Theft Auto 5 is because Grand Theft Auto 5 recently announced that they passed 80 million copies sold. So it's just staggering, to be honest. That the, the right. that these games have is amazing. But I mean, Skyrim, remember, un unlike Grand Theft Auto, which has Grand Theft Auto Online, which people just continue to play daily, Skyrim's a single player role playing game. You know, on the PC, you have the modding community, of course, which two both tremendous and really crazy things. Um, but I mean, the fact that, uh, people just continue to play this role-playing game, uh, over and over again is, is crazy to me. Crazy. Yeah. Gosh, 30 million units for Skyrim. Okay. So I have three to four predictions of what is first party or big games for the Wii U that I think are actually coming to the switch and currently probably in development. And I'm not sure if you've thought about it, but I'll, I'll go with mine first. 
the first one I have is Captain Toad Treasure Tracker. This game is actually fantastic. If you haven't played it and you have a Wii U, I suggest picking it up. I did also want to talk about their current cost. So when this does come to the Switch and there's announcements for it, you don't see this go up. So currently you can get this brand new for $34. At many points of time, there is an eBay special going on for this one that came with the Amiibo bundled in for $25. So if you can still find that, go for it. You can find this used for $25 today. One that is an absolute gonna happen no matter what, I bet you it does within <laughs> the next 12 months. Super Smash Brothers for the Wii U, I'm sure they'll call it Super Smash Brothers DX or something, um, which is almost a promise. Another game that has not gone down in value at all because it's still selling, believe it or not. Um, this is new $50 still. You can get it used for $39.99 for GameStop. You can find this on eBay for about mm, 30 to thir 30 to $40 today. So another good one there. Lastly, Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze, one of my favorite platformers as far as side scrolling. Um, this one is fantastic. If you haven't played it, it looks amazing. Um, it currently goes for $20. Um, and funny enough, you can buy it used for $20. There's not really a difference, um, but Amazon is a good place for this one. This is also another one that's almost a automatic is coming to the Switch, in my opinion. The last one, which is kind of a third party, kind of first party. Um, basically, it's only came out on the Switch. However, it's not a first party studio. Is Wonderful 101. I don't have it, but I've played it. And I, I kind of want it. And it's so cheap that I'm probably going to get it in the near future. It's it's kind of a great game. The the mix of it is you're just a superhero with a whole bunch of other ones, and you form different formations to fight big enemies or whatever. That game has a huge following. Um, a lot of people love it, even though it's not a perfect game. Um, that one is super cheap. You can find it brand new for about 25 to 20 bucks on eBay or even Amazon still has it new. Um, or you can get it for 15 bucks and I've seen it less than that on eBay for under $10 many times. So those are my re-release predictions for what was on Wii U that is coming to the Switch. We'll see if the prices are crazy for that. Ains, did you have any before we close out our main topic? No, I was agreeing with you. I, I, Smash Brothers is one we've commented on before, right? It's it's unless they create a new one um, prior to this re-release, but I fully see this re-releasing probably sometime in spring of next year, as you know, to kind of filter in Nintendo first party on the Switch. Um, Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze got really high reviews when it came out. Um, I own it. I enjoy it. I love Donkey Kong. Um, that wouldn't surprise me either, just to you know give that game some more sales. So I think of the two um, of the, that you touched on, I think those two are probably the most likely. I think Smash Brothers is a, almost a given, though. I will I will be more surprised if we don't see that than if we do. Yeah, the last one I had in here that I just saw I had is Pikmin 3. I, I have not seen a Pikmin for console on the Switch even be announced. There's the Nintendo DS one that, or 3DS or 2DS that is already out actually, was not reviewed very well. A lot of people didn't like it. So I wonder if they jump back to Pikmin 3, which was an amazing game. Um, and the only thing that would struggle this one on the Switch is that a lot of the gameplay is done on the actual game pad of the Wii U. So maybe this one will take longer or if they get more creative on, on development on it, we'll see. So um, anyways, those are kind of the last things I wanted to touch on this. You know, let us know if you're a person that is gonna be grabbing them no matter what. Maybe you're boycotting this whole practice of re-releases and crazy prices for them just because of Nintendo. Maybe you don't care. Just let us know what you think, <laughs> if you think something um, added about it at all. So. Uh, let's move on to our, what is it, Ains? I, I can't sing. So we're just going to do season reflections. 
<laughs> All right, so we're up to season reflections, and this is one of our, our favorite sections because we, we, we talk about games we used to love, and we still put these in every once in a while. What's yours for this week, Ains? I'm, I'm really curious. Uh, all right, so um, going back a little one-off, I don't know why I picked this one this week, but I just decided to go with it. So that is uh, Resident Evil uh, Code Veronica, and I'm speaking specifically of the Sega Dreamcast version because that was the initial release of the game. Um, this was an important release for several reasons, really. Resident Evil at the time was a, a you know a huge, huge franchise. It had turned into this global phenomenon. And um, it was significant because this was, if I recall correctly, and you can tell me if I'm wrong here, but they did Resident Evil 1, 2, and 3. And then um, Resident Evil Code Veronica was the next game. So it was the first game after the trilogy. Um, it was very highly reviewed and highly regarded. Um, but it also holds a significant place in history because at the time, for those who really weren't into gaming at the time, maybe, uh, the Sega Dreamcast had come out in uh, September of 1999, so 9999, never forget. Um, <laughs> um, but the PlayStation 2 was kind of coming, and people knew it was coming, and because the PlayStation 1 was such a huge worldwide success, you know, um, Sega was really trying to do all that they could to kind of garner some third-party support and get more Dreamcast out in, uh, in people's homes. So when they announced that Resident Evil Code Veronica was coming and it was coming to the Dreamcast um, by itself as an exclusive, that was really huge news from Capcom to throw their support behind Sega like that. Now, this game, of course, is Resident Evil, right? So it's probably been on 900 platforms since. Um, it was definitely on PlayStation 2, and it, it's been re-released a number of times. Um, so you can play it pretty much anywhere. But when it came out, it really was uh, very, very impressive. It was my favorite um, Resident Evil title at the time. Um, it's still a fantastic game. The controls are antiquated. Obviously, the graphics are, are dated. But um, in terms of the Resident Evil franchise, it's, it's one of my favorites of the, of the series. So um, still play it today. Like I said, controls uh, are a struggle nowadays. It feels very tank-like. But um, yeah, if you like Resident Evil, you like survival horror, it's, it's worth going back and playing. It's got a good story to it. So... Anyway, um, that's uh, that's my season reflection game for the week. I don't know if you um, did you play Code Veronica back in the day when it first came out. Oh yeah, I still have it over here actually in my Dreamcast collection. Um, uh, yeah, I the only thing I will say about playing it today is the controls are really rough, and it it was still in the in the period of Resident Evil where the backgrounds were still pre-rendered, so you, they didn't really move with the exception of a few areas, like when you went in a door, it still had that old school mentality. So. <laughs> If you are okay with that, completely playable. If you have uh, tried any of the newer remasters of Resident Evil and stuff like that, it might be kind of tough to play. Boy, I'd love if they do a remaster of Code Veronica like they did with Resident Evil 1, the original. So that would be amazing. Yeah, that would be nice. Rather than just re-releasing the old one. Yeah, that would be neat. Um, yep. But uh, we'll see. What do you okay. guys? Yeah, so mine is kind of in, in homage to uh, a game that just got announced as a, a remaster, I guess, or a re-release for PlayStation 4, and it is Dragon's Crown. So this came out on the PlayStation 3, and the Vita um, was the most recent release for it. Um, this is kind of like your Golden Axe-type uh, series of game where you are, you were, I think it's one of four characters that you can pick, or maybe even more than that, maybe six. Um, but you walk through the game, and it's a side-scroller, very much like the old-school type of game where you walk side to side. Um, but the art direction and the art of the game is absolutely stunning. 
Um, back on the PlayStation 3, this is one of the games that released later in the generation for them. That was true 1080p. It wasn't one of the games that actually ran on 720p, besides Sony always saying everything was 1080p, but it wasn't. And it looks amazing. Um, it actually looks amazing on the handheld for Vita as well. So the, the news about this game is that it is being re-released on the PlayStation 4. We don't have a firm release date for North America region. We only know that it is coming out in Japan in January of 2018. And I can't wait to play it. I will play this game again um, for PlayStation 4. And it is super fun to play multiplayer when your characters are moving around the screen. So if you did have this uh, at home, it was couch co-op four player, which was really cool. And you could also play online four player, which is amazing. So amazing game, obviously still playable. I think it's going to age really, really well, um, even into the next generation, whenever we get there, I think it'll still be playable. And I definitely suggest it. So that's my season reflection of this week. Yeah, Dragon's Crown is awesome. Um, I remember anticipating its release because I really like the art style and I like those old school brawlers, you know, side scrolling brawlers. Um, but the, you know, what makes it a lot deeper is it has a lot of RPG elements, right? So loot, I always talk about loot. It has a lot of loot. Um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to it. So I think uh, we'll probably both be picking up the PS4 version, um, play it on the pro. Maybe we'll do some uh, online streaming and co-op or something like that for the site. Um, I, I quickly ran over because uh, I got fortunate um, when the game released. I picked it up on Vita originally. When the game released, if you pre-ordered it through Amazon, I don't know if other sites did it, but they actually uh, released a art book directly from Atlas with the game as well. So um you can see that here. It's called uh, Dragon's Crown Artworks. And I think they sold it uh, individually later. I'm not really sure, but um, it's really neat. It's got a lot of the uh, hand-drawn artwork and the environments and the characters and enemies and stuff in it. So uh, if you're a Dragon's Crown fan or you're you're soon to be a Dragon's Crown fan, you may want to look this up because it's, uh, it's a neat little book. I am super jealous. I'm actually going to go look for that. I, I remember hearing about that, and I remember that Amazon did it, and I just didn't grab it at the time. So I had it on PS3 already. So I'm going to try to find that. Yeah, I, I, it says not for sale on it because I know it was a pre-order thing, but I think they later re-released it. You may want to check. But um, yeah, it's neat. It's it's nothing you know crazy, but um, it is it is interesting to see. And the artwork is just really unique uh, in the game. So it's, it's neat. Cool. Well, that's our season reflections for this week, guys. And that actually wraps us up for our overall bitcast. Uh, I want to thank everybody for listening. If you had a chance to actually view our site recently, we have a couple new things up there for you. We do have an F1 2017 video review that I wrapped up. We've got some more stuff coming that Ains is going to talk to you about, but thanks for listening in so far. Ains? Yeah, so as Bert said, you know, 10th episode of our BitCast. Really appreciate everyone who listens and watches. Uh, please follow and subscribe if you enjoy it. As we always say, if, uh, if there's something you think we can do better or you'd like for us to talk about or any any comments on the format or anything, please let us know. You know, we're open to feedback and uh, this is kind of a, a thing that we love doing, but we're, uh, we're looking at ways to, uh, you know, just keep, uh, keep it fresh. So um, in terms of coming up, so as Bert said, he put up his uh, Formula One 17, 2017 review that's out there in both video and written format. We're working on everybody's golf review right now, and that'll be in video and written format as well. Uh, I'm going to be reviewing The Long Dark uh, here shortly, like I said prior uh, previously. So that one's been a long time coming. It's a, it's a very kind of deep game, and it's got different ways you can play it. So we wanted to make sure we put the time into that one before, uh, before I wrote my thoughts up. So that one's coming. And then lastly, with, uh, with Cuphead coming on Friday, I'm, um, 
I'm going to be doing a lot for that game. So I will be writing a review of it in the future. Of course, I want to put, put a lot of time into it before I do so. But in the, uh, you know, right after launch, I'm going to be doing some streaming. So we're going to do, um, you know, Porsche versus Cuphead because it's said to be really, really challenging. So that'll be a lot of fun. And I'll be writing some uh, impressions up on it as well that you'll be able to find on the site next weekend after release. So um other than that you want to go ahead and close this out bert yeah guys thanks for listening as always if you haven't subscribed and liked it on youtube please make sure to do that if you follow us on soundcloud we're on there as season gaming if we're uh, follow us on itunes we're also there on season gaming if you follow either one of us on twitter i'm treb underscore m3 and ains is at porsche power so make sure to follow us guys thanks again and we'll tune in next time